Hey guys, it's Briars. Just want to tell you what's going on down at uh, Meltdown Comics in Hollywood. We got Meltthology. Meltthology is a monthly comics jam at Meltdown every third Tuesday of the month. Here's how it works. Show up at the Melt at 7 p.m. and draw a page of whatever you want. At 9.30 p.m. we'll collect all of the art and $3 for printing costs. When you come to the next month's comics jam, you'll get a zine with everyone's contributions inside. There is no set theme, and all skill levels are welcome. Last but not least, Meltthology contributors get 10% off their Meltdown purchase on the night of the event. Go to at Meltthology on Twitter or Facebook if you have any specific questions. Ask for Chuck, and that is at Melt underscore Thology. Hello and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I am, of course, your host, Matt Kennedy. Uh, this is a production of Meltdown Comics and the Luz de Jesus Gallery and, of course, the Pop Sequentialism blog and exhibition series. Um, this is going to be a really fun show, I think, for everybody and, and me most of all because I get to see my friend Ryan again, who I almost never get to see. But um, Ryan Ridley, for the uninitiated, is a co-executive producer on Rick and Morty. He was a writer on the show. I believe you still write on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'm a writer first, yeah. <laughs> producer second. <laughs> and um, and you may also know uh, his involvement in similar projects with um, Community. Yep. I was a writer in the fifth and sixth seasons, and I also appeared as the guy from Jeff's Gym in season six. <laughs> and so uh, Ryan comes off a full day of talking today because he just let us know that um, he left the studio today doing all the commentary for season two, Rick and Morty. And so you must yeah. be in the zone right now. Ooh, yeah. I can comment. <laughs> I can comment. <laughs> so what I think this is going to be great is um, we, we talk to a lot of comic book and um, art professionals. And we've covered a lot of different types of jobs that people can have in the industry. And one thing, we, we've talked to um, my friend Melody, who started Girls Drawing Girls as an animator. But um, your entry into the industry is quite a bit different. You came in as a writer. Mm-hmm. And now you're working, and not on a cartoon, but you came in as a writer for um, for writing screenplays for movies and well short films. Yeah, I mean, short films technically was how I got to the job I have now. Mm-hmm. Before that, stand up, and then in 2002, I was like, I have a feeling videos are going to be the the thing. Yeah, <laughs> once this internet takes off, so I started making those. And that led into doing Channel 101, which was started by Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub. And, of course, Dan is a co-creator of Rick and Morty and creator of Community. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to really impress him, both those guys. I and mean, it's there's so much weird connection here between mm-hmm. that entire list of names. Because at Meltdown and at the Comedy Melt, um, you've got Dan does a lot of his shows over there. Oh, yeah, there. the Harmontown podcast, yep. yeah. And which I've been a guest controller on. <laughs> See, uh-huh. it's, it's so incestuous. Yeah. Um, but the the other kind of interesting thing is you start writing these these things and you start thinking at a certain point about writing short stuff to upload to YouTube mm-hmm. and things like that. So how did you come across, how did you get on the radar of Dan Harmon? Well, so I started making stuff in Chicago, which at the time um, – I was just doing stand-up, but then I was kind of knew I wanted to transition into videos, and so I was waiting tables with this guy, Danny, and he was at film school at Columbia, mm-hmm. which is a you know film school, uh, art school in Chicago, 
and he actually knew how to edit. I still was doing VCR to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you edit when you're a kid. Tape to tape. tape yep. Yeah. Like, yep. but, and so he, and I didn't understand how I was like, wait, you can like just slip music under the, <laughs> the track like that. Like, yeah. So he taught me how to do all that stuff. And it's crazy. Cause we just had dinner. He's now like, we were just, like I said, we were waiters. This is 2002. Mm-hmm. And we moved, both moved out here around the same time, but he's now like directing a Fox show mm-hmm. and he's directed like the last season at Children's Hospital. So it's cool that we both kind of got to where we wanted to be. What's Danny's last name? Jelinek. Yeah, I should say that. Danny Jelinek. He's awesome. He's uh, directed, like I said, a lot of, you know, Children's Hospital and stuff. The show on Fox that's produced by Lonely Island you're going to see soon. It's like a the new, it's like the Fox's, you know, new competition SNL basically. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So anyway... Um, so I was doing stand-up, and I was doing stand-up, speaking of Melton, with, like, Kumail. I yep. started off doing stand-up with him and T.J. Miller, who I understand had some success this weekend with Deadpool. Yes, a little <laughs> I bit. I see that. And, uh, and Pete Holmes and Han- Hannibal was in that same group. So it was a good crew to kind of come up with. Yeah. And so I made it, some videos with some of those guys and then uh, learned about Channel 101. Well, I saw Heat Vision and Jack. Have you heard of that? Yes. It's, okay, oh, so that was yeah. Yeah, Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub's pilot from... 2000 or 99 with starring jack black. jack black yeah didn't get picked up though which is why they ultimately created channel 101 because they were so sick of making stuff that nobody ever saw yeah. meaning pilots that didn't get picked up movies that never got produced yeah. and so they were like let's just make stuff and this this room is heavy with pilots that did not get picked up really <laughs> my i think i did th- i went i brought three things to pilot as an uh-huh. actor that never got picked up really um our producer and engineer Mason's got um, a project that um, he's produced a pilot on, uh-huh. and I'm sure that you've worked on numerous projects where you just you you go down the long hall and they pull the switch right before you're about to get started or after you're up and running. Well, I mean, I de- I've been lucky enough to I I haven't I've developed something on my own that didn't go very far, mm-hmm. and then I've been involved with shows that either made it on the air and didn't do very well or like that in between phase i've never quite experienced right, which is like right. oh my god it's so close we're shooting something and now they're putting it on a shelf right right. which was a, he, he vision and jack was and so i saw that and i was like oh man i want to work with those dudes like right. this is exactly my sensibility mm-hmm. i didn't know them at all though and then one uh guy I did stand up with tom clark great stand up out of wisconsin knew those guys and one day said hey those guys you really like who made Heat Vision and Jack, they started this thing called Channel 101. And as soon as I watched those early first videos, I was like, yep, that's that's it. I got to be a part of that thing. You live basic. You live walking distance to there and to here. Walking distance to? 101? Oh, no, that's downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it used to be, well, it used to be at, uh, I started, think it started off in a Thai restaurant or even I think the first incarnation was like at, uh, I can't remember the name of the comedy sports or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then for years it was at, um, What's that place on Hollywood? It's like, I can't think of it right now. Cine. Oh, Cinespace. Cinespace. Yeah. And then it moved to downtown independent. Okay. Still. Yeah. Got. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And, um, so you meet, you meet up with these cats and you, you do stand up, mm-hmm. and so they, they're comedy writers and they've, you know, at this point, um, Dan's probably already worked with, um, another TV show. Oh, great female stand-up comic. Oh, Sarah Silverman Sarah program? Silverman, yeah. I met them before Sarah Silverman. Ooh. I got in there in the sweet spot. It's interesting because, I mean, I wouldn't call it cynical mm-hmm. because I was following my passion, but I wanted to work with those guys, and I happened to 
become involved with Channel 101 when they weren't quite big enough, where they were still not only hanging out with the newcomers, the freshman class, who me and all my peers were, who, you know, includes Justin Royland, who's Rick and Morty, co-creator mm-hmm. and voice of those guys, and a bunch of other great, talented people. And um, they were, Dan and Rob were the elder statesmen, but they weren't, there was no Sarah Silverman program. There was Monster House, their movie they wrote. Right. And that was it. So they're still very, not only accessible, but they were still wanted to make stuff with us. So we made stuff with them. I made a web series with, you know, a Channel 101 show with Dan called Water and Power. And that was a true partnership collaboration, which is a dream come true for me to be able to, because, you know, they really were heroes that I'm suddenly now getting to work with. So by the time Sarah Silverman came along, that was like, we were already kind of in my crew. And in fact, that's when we did uh, Acceptable TV, which is a VH1 sketch show that Dan created that was the Channel 101 TV show. Right. That he brought me in like kind of the, at the time, the cream of the crop and at least his opinion uh, as the cast and the writing staff on that show. Nice. Yeah. I think I've seen footage of this. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe there is still footage. It's very rare. But the, the you know, you talk about Heat Vision Jack and that was one of those projects that had a legend that a lot of people hadn't seen it. Yeah. And you'd go to comic book conventions and somebody had a tape of it under a table. Mm-hmm. You know. And, That's how and, I saw it. Yeah. And you could get that and probably bootleg copies of, you know, the latest Chai and Fop film. Mm-hmm. But, um, which is how I first saw it, I think, too. And, and then I started seeing people, and you talk about this is what year was that? That was like that they made that pilot, yeah, ninety nine, ninety nine, yeah. yeah. So the um in the late nineties, early two thousands, um I was starting to transition out of acting and into being a script rewrite guy and and just licensing movies, and I'd see all these failed pilots with other people that I knew. That And a lot of times, you just don't talk about that stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. as it's going on, you're going to audition after audition, and you get something, and you don't want to talk about it too much because you're not sure if it's going to happen. And I had that happen where I had said something to my mom, I think it was, about um, this show that, uh, this thing called Bang that was supposed to get off the ground, and it never did. And I just hear about it at every family reunion. How come we haven't seen this thing (laughs) Bang yet? And I'm just like, oh, it's all apart, you know? But um, I started becoming more and more aware of other actors that I knew that were character actors that I'd see, you know, in at the cattle call auditions, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was um, Seth Green or Toby Maguire or Billy Crudup, you know, that were involved in some of these projects that didn't get picked up. But um, it's it's kind of a world unto itself. So you're working with these guys on 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 101, and then Community happens. That happened in yeah two, 2009. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was making the show. I just referenced Water and Power, the thing with Dan which is the last, I think, Channel 101 thing he mm-hmm. he was involved in because it was that point, yeah, when he made Community. In fact, if you watch that, there's episodes where I went to Israel and he made the pilot of Community. So mm-hmm. there's an episode he shot of Modern Power in the trailer of the pilot, you know, on the set of Community. So he pulled in like Chevy Chase and Joel McHale and John Oliver into this pilot of, into this episode of Modern Power. Mm-hmm. And so that was clearly kind of the splitting off point when he was like, okay, I'm, this thing's taking off, and yeah. that was when he sort of officially left Channel 101. Right. But he took everybody with him, kind of. He took as many people as he could. I mean, certainly the people he thought were talented and hardworking and, you know. Yeah, he well, he didn't bring – I was I didn't even come on until season five as wow. a writer, so that was pretty late. Um, I'm glad I got to be part of it, but I remember there was, a, there was you know, I was going to possibly be part of season one, and then mm-hmm. I, you know, it didn't happen for various reasons. 
And then I worked on other shows, which looking back, I'm glad because I got to just have more diversity in my experiences that I just working with Dan Harmon, right. <laughs> which is great and right. the best mentor you could have. But I it, now not I actually, the ordinary thing. If anything, I know what it's like to not work with him, both in a good way, mostly in a good way, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a genius, but he's a complicated guy. You know, it's sometimes it can be very intense working with him. Yeah. But I'd rather experience that than someone who I don't maybe think is doing the best kind of work you know right it's, i'd rather be a part of something great you yeah. know even if it's rough well i know you like, work long hours you know yeah community was bad community yeah. would be rick and morty is getting there but it's different yeah. I, I think maybe because i'm more involved in community uh, rick and morty mm-hmm. creatively it so it makes the hours easier that's nice yeah because those were daunting that, that the was, community hours, yeah. yeah no, well, that the worst part about that was sometimes you know, and like I said, this is true. I I don't mind working late if I'm like working late, but there'd right. be times when we'd just be waiting for Dan, waiting for someone to show up, <laughs> yeah. yeah, waiting and for government, and we'd be sitting there. You know, the writers just kind of like sometimes sleeping. You know, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and um, we'll hear a little word from our sponsors. And um, again, people who want to reach us for to reach this prime demographic can send me an email at uh, info at pop sequentialism, which is P-O-P-S-E-Q-U-E-N-T-I-A-L-S-M. Sure. I-S-M. Probably <laughs> spelled it wrong. But uh, dot com. But uh, here's a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with my guest, Ryan Ridley. Melt you. The school at Meltdown, where they teach you the skills to make comic books. Some of the current classes include creating comics, drawing comics for kids, and the art of inking. Coming soon, there will be classes for short film writing, drawing basics, and kids make zines. Go to meltcomics.com and enroll now. Hello, and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. I am your host, Matt Kennedy, and I have with me my guest, Ryan Ridley. And uh, we were talking a little bit about the buildup of how he came to be involved with Rick and Morty. And so I think um, we'll just start with that. So after working with Dan on Community, um, what are the steps that take you to Rick and Morty? It's so funny. You'd think outside looking in, you think, oh, these guy Ryan has, you know, worked with these guys, friends with these guys, Justin and Dan, meaning, and it's true, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're guaranteed anything. Right. Um, I, yeah, let's see. I, I remember the, my involved, I know that Justin um, was developing the pilot and he asked me to do a voice on the show. Mm-hmm. And so I did a voice in the pilot. I was not involved in any other way. I, at the time, we had another project, Justin and I. We were <laughs> Justin got approached by a producer who wanted him to develop and create the Black Eyed Peas animated series, which wow. Will I Am, you know, wanted to spearhead. Mm-hmm. And so he's he actually me a regular in. here. He comes to Lalu's. Oh, he lives. Yeah, he yeah. lives in the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, we we worked out of his house. It was crazy to think he this he so, lives so close to me. But boy, is his life very very different than mine. And my ex wife was the their Japanese road manager. Oh, really? Yeah. So whenever they would go to Japan, she would be their point person that would take care of everything. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My one regret is that we never we were always trying to figure out how to weasel our way into just going to one of their concerts and experiencing what that must be like backstage, you know, right. just because, because he wanted the show to be populated by some of the people in his entourage, right. not just the black eyed peas themselves, but like some of the, hang out with yeah. Them. And so we were like, well, maybe if we actually met these people, we could write them as characters better. And that never happened, but we did get to, to work with him at his house a couple of times. And that was interesting in itself. But, uh, but we were doing that together as he was doing Rick and Morty. 
because it was just a pilot. Mm -hmm. And um, and then at some point, the show finally got picked up, but it got picked up for like these weird things when when networks aren't quite sure. And so they remember they commissioned two scripts. Mm -hmm. So I was brought in early on uh, to work with just Dan, Justin, our writer's assistant, who has since become a really valuable writer on the staff, Mike McMahon. And just the four of us were just writing the first two episodes together. Mm -hmm. And so that was then that led to, you know, the show got picked up and I've been involved since. So, so what was the, the one paragraph pitch for Rick and Morty? It's back to the future meets <laughs> Ren and Stimpy or... You know that show has evolved so much. Justin tells a story. He he was a, he originally developed it with a different entity, not Adult Swim. I mean, he does those voices. If you watch YouTube, there's clips of his cartoons where it's those same voices yeah. bouncing off each other. Oh, it's two lizard people. Oh, it's this. It's that. It's he just yeah. kind of those dynamics and um and different projects. And so there was a version of it where. Rick, it was more like Back to the Future where Rick was not his grandfather, who's just a neighbor, a crazy scientist neighbor who'd hang out with them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was his intergalactic or interdimensional. There was no portal gun, which is how they go around different realities and stuff. So I think it was more grounded on Earth. And then Harmon said to him one day, oh, Adult Swim wants to work with me on something. Do you have any ideas? And he's like, oh, what about these two characters? And Dan's like, sure. Mm -hmm. And so Dan, I think, was able to mold it and flesh it and bring what he does and, you know, their sensibilities balanced together is what makes that show, mm -hmm. for instance, different than community. Right. You know? And so the, um, what are the writing sessions like? Oh, Explain boy. to people who have no idea, which is most people, <laughs> um, what it's like being, well, and, and you can go back to community for this. And I, I know that this isn't probably the norm, but, um, being in a writer's room, working on a show as a professional, as a staff writer, mm. what's that like? Give me a breakdown. What's the day? You know, well, I'll just do an average Rick and Morty day. Mm -hmm. uh, we roll in at 11 a.m. Woo! Just like bright me. Bright and early, <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful. Um, and, you know, when the season starts, we just are just generating, we call it blue skying. Like, what are just anything? We talk anything, you know, mm -hmm. and generate a bunch of ideas. And then suddenly some start to catch hold a little bit. We're mm -hmm. more excited by, by certain ideas rather, you know, and now they've got little mini titles we slap up on, on note cards. And soon, you know, a few weeks in, we've got a cork board full of note cards. Then we start going, all right, let's get real. Can we really do an episode, you know, that says, you know, uh, Rick, Rick shits his pants. You know what I mean? Like, what, <laughs> is, what, what is that? I know we riffed a whole scene about it, but can we really stretch it in a 22 minute arc? Right. And eventually we, we, the energy, funnels into one concept and then that becomes the one that we had we break you know or embryo is the term dan uses where we just kind of draw his famous story circle that he you know based on kind of joseph campbell's story structure mythically and then we will embryo it out as the birthing process of the story begins on its most basic level and it's just the basic points of the story and then we start uh, uh fleshing it out and soon one of our writers dan guterman coined this phrase we got them bones that's a perfect impression of him if you know the voice <laughs> and uh, which means we've got like more to the story we've right. got scene by scene sometimes i mean not sometimes all the time we would note card you know in this beat for act for a story act one this beat for b story whatever and now we'd have and then eventually the writer of the episode takes those note cards and beats writes an outline meanwhile we're working on the next episode hopefully mm -hmm. and they come back we read the outline we give notes you know there's now notes from us from the network mike lazo reads it when it's signed off uh 
they're sent to draft. They write their their pass of the script and maybe a couple more notes yeah. are given and they're sent out to address those. And then eventually Dan sits down and throws it on the screen and does his magic, which is writing his pass. And now what's also interesting is that um, Rick and Morty, because it was an idea for a show on its own and not necessarily being envisioned at Adult Swim and then it becomes an Adult Swim thing, mm-hmm. that, imme- that immediately is going to change story structure because at that point on Adult Swim, nothing was that long. No, I don't think they'd ever done an original 22-minute show. They might have – I mean obviously a Family Guy reruns and those kind of things, but I don't think they'd ever done an original. This is definitely – I mean it's still crazy and all the things that make up the Adult Swim sensibility, but it just I think has more – structure and I don't even know what words to use that aren't going to sound like I'm insulting other shows because I love Adult Swim shows. But, you know, you need more to carry a full 22-minute story, you know, and you can get away with just pure insanity for 11-minute chunks, I think, and it's fine. But once you get to 22 minutes, I think, you know, you certainly can't do a weekly Dada-esque, non-structured type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, the um, and it's been very successful. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, just 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 in whatever benchmarks you want to use. I mean, you know, now there's merchandise. There's going to be a Rick and Morty. I don't even know how much I'm allowed to talk about. But there's right. just say there's going to be some pretty crazy things that I never would think I'd see Rick and Morty versions of. You right, know what I mean? Right. And um, I mean, now you can go to Hot Topic and buy T-shirts, and yeah. there's dolls, and you know, the Meeseeks and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I, yeah, I and mean, Adult Swim's never really had that. It's no. interesting. You know, I mean, I know they've had relative hit shows. Aqua Teen was a hit show. It had a movie. Mm-hmm. But you never really saw merchandise in the way that you saw Simpsons and uh, South, Park South Park and stuff, that yeah. kind of stuff. And that feels like what's happening with Rick and Morty, which is weird and took a little bit of adjustment because at first it was just a show that, you know, we were just a group of friends writing it. And um, especially the first season in a bubble, we didn't know. We weren't thinking about anything, you know? I remember when we were at Comic-Con and you were on the panel uh-huh. and it was a packed room. Like it was, you had to have a ticket to get into the room. Uh-huh. And at that point, people hadn't seen more than maybe the pilot. Uh, I don't even think they'd seen the pilot. For the, the first year we went to Comic-Con, I don't think anybody had seen anything. Yeah. Right, it was just the buzz. It was yeah. just that. It was mostly Dan Harmon has a show on Adult Swim, yeah. I think, you know. Yeah, that was after the whole Chevy Chase Um telephone yeah yeah i don't know where that fell into his because he obviously he got famously fired and then brought back yeah so i think this might have been in between him getting fired and being brought back because i remember we did season one and he went back to community Mm -hmm. and we alternated for like you know i would jumped back from season one rick and morty season five of community season two rick and morty season six of community (laughs) right rick and morty and no more community but at the time yeah and but the funniest part about that was it it was it was a smaller room we've since we've done three panels at Mm comic-con the second and third one were crazy people in costumes you know yeah the first year might have been packed but it was a smaller room yeah <laughs> people were only really there to politely hear dan Harmon talk about his new show or wait for whatever is coming next into the room as justin says and nobody knew justin was maybe a few people knew what house of cosby's was um but he was like flop sweating and just just trying to explain the show. <laughs> he was manic and it yeah. was kind of fascinating yeah. to watch. Yeah, and it was great because because then it's yeah it's him really working overtime to explain why people should even care. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, season one had aired and it became a phenomenon. I don't know if I can use that word. And he just gets to walk on stage and go, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. all he needs to do. It was amazing. Get a roll, roar, and hiss. Yeah. But um, and so now when 
when you go back to Comic-Con this year, it's going to be as like kind of conquering kings. I mean, it's it's almost like there's a handful of shows that really cater to fandom really well. Mm-hmm. One thing that I think has caught fire with Rick and Morty, I, I know a lot of people that work in um, on other shows. I won't say what shows they work on. Uh-huh. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But that um, their their favorite show is Rick and Morty. Uh-huh. And when we get off the air, I'll, I'll give you some okay, names. Okay, cool. And you'll be like, wow. <laughs> but um, that at this point you've got like Big Bang Theory, which really, you know, it, it's a, a mainstream network show that's got great writers and, and everybody loves the cast. It's been around for seven years now. And when they come to Comic-Con, they are absolutely, you know, outside of maybe Game of Thrones, the biggest game in town. Mm-hmm. And um, and now there's really just that and Game of Thrones will be coming back, but they never do full cast at Comic-Con. They can't mm-hmm. do it. People are working on movies. And then there'll be you guys. And there's not a lot of other shows that have that kind of cachet with that that core Comic-Con demographic. And it shows in the scripting, too. I mean, you guys are tackling familiar themes in a really fun and original way that kind of almost have that Dennis Miller, you know, new, deeper, weirder reference mm-hmm. followed by a newer, deeper, weirder reference that makes total sense. Yeah. Well, Dan is not an absurdist in the sense of he, I mean, he's incredibly intelligent. It comes through. I mean, Rick, you know, is I mean, this, the smartest stuff Rick says is Dan. Yeah. And you know, yeah, Dan, he's not just going to make a joke for a joke's sake. And he's actually gonna be weird for weird sake. He's, you know, it, it, at the same time, he's not political and trying to prove any kind of point or have any kind of agenda. He's just, if anything, he's a anarchist nihilist type guy, which is what Rick is. And, so we're we're all sci-fi fans and you know some of us are really knowledgeable on the staff of like sci-fi tropes and stuff like that. Justin's insane in his own way, mm-hmm. but definitely lighter and more absurd and I could get into the specifics of those two sensibilities and how they play out on screen. But it just putting that all in a blender and then it coming out and Dan is, you know, the one who kind of puts the sausage casing onto it yeah. all at the end of the law machine. Yeah. Yeah. Well the um I think we're probably getting close to wrap up, but I did want to mention something because it, it fascinates me. And I think that people are going to hear this thing. I'm going to go, what? And it's that you have a tangential um, relationship, meaning that um, that there is, by marriage, mm-hmm. you are related to J.D. Salinger. <laughs> Technically not marriage. We're not marriage, no. <laughs> through, through, through birth. Through, through bloodlines. <laughs> through blood. Yeah, my uncle, who's an actor, who's actually, he's been getting a lot of success lately on his own as an actor. He was in... Um, uh, 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 why can't I think of the name? The Coen Brothers movie with Oscar Isaac, the folk singer movie. Right, right. That's right. I remember. I remember seeing that in the credits too. Yeah. And I think I asked. Yeah. Um. And I, my wife and I watched that. I was like, I was like Ridley. I wonder if that's. And then yeah, we looked up the credits, uncle. and that's where I, I think I discovered that. Yeah. That that um, he has a child with JD Salinger's yeah. daughter. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, how come I didn't know that about Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he also I don't know if there's this there's this ad campaign called uh, this thing called uh, Gil Fulbright. It's this it's this like spoof of it's a political thing about you know like money and politics and that character he does that character and stuff. But uh, he's been on stuff for that too. But but that Coen Brothers movie is probably his biggest role. But he's been in a bunch of great stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he uh, he has a, he had a, a kid with uh, J D Salinger's daughter, and so that's technically how I'm related. That's amazing through blood. That is amazing. And my cousin uh, Max, who I've only met once when he's a kid, is a really talented musician. I was just saying before we started recording, I think right. he got that J D Salinger genius, but filtered into music. Wow. So well, 
shoot out some websites. Where can people get a hold of you? Oh, man. If you want them to get sure. a hold of you. My, my Twitter, Ryan Ridley. Yes. Uh, I've got a podcast called Grandma's Virginity, which I do with Justin, the co-creator of Rick and Morty. If you like Rick and Morty and you're going to be waiting for at least another 11 months or so, 10 months, we'll see if we make our deadline. Yeah. Uh, um, this, you know, Justin is insane and the energy from the show is partly what you see on display in our podcast, which we just did a new episode of. And then, uh, I don't know, that's about all, you know, I don't know, Rick, watch Rick and Morty on iTunes or anywhere <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, I don't have a lot to plug. And if you haven't seen it, you're in for a treat. But hey, man, um, Ryan, thanks for coming in. It's great to see you again. I hope to see you more often. Sure. Because you're in the neighborhood. Yeah, down the street. But uh, With Will I Am. (laughs) With Will I Am, right here in Los Feliz. Uh Uh, Recorded uh, recorded here at Wacko, La Luz de Jesus. And um, I want to thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Pod Sequentialism. I am Matt Kennedy. I thank again my guest, Ryan Ridley. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And um, we'll talk to you next time. 